Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info. Because he walked away from a deal that people were fearful that he was going to get the worst side of, they are now condemning the fact that he walked away. So you just can't make this stuff up. And, of course, they've moved on to the uh, lion cheating scoundrel who's going to jail soon for lying, cheating, and being a scoundrel. Um, now we're just talking about him and all of the horrible things that he did. But, you know, the three most important things that came out yesterday were, number one, that uh, he said President Trump uh, did not ask him to lie. He said that the Steele dossier was crap. And he said that Roger Stone alerted President Trump on WikiLeaks, which uh, Julian Assange has now said is absolutely untrue. He's never spoken to Roger Stone. But hey, why would we expect the lying to stop, especially when you see Lanny Davis sitting there behind him? It's just, uh, it's just like a, a, a I want to say this nasty word, but I can't say it. It's that kind of show, though. Anyway, so what about these prostitutes that are demanding a meeting with Kamala or Kamala or Kamala? We, you know, depending on whether it's Monday, Thursday or Friday, um, we seem to have a new pronunciation of Senator Harris's first name. But uh, she has so stated now as part of her platform as she attempts to get the Democratic nomination uh, to run against President Trump in 2020. She has said that she supports decriminalizing sex work, uh, meaning that she doesn't think that she should that, that the country should prosecute people who are sex workers. In other words, prostitutes okay call girls hookers i mean you know let's let's stop with the uh, sex workers you know sex workers are the ones who sell goodies at the hustler store and you know not uh, not people who have sex with other people for money miss harris signaled her support for decriminalizing the world's oldest profession on tuesday and by wednesday activists were looking to correct the record by arguing that the former prosecutor is actually backing the, quote, Nordic model, which is not actual decriminalization. The Nordic model diverts resources from people who trade sex, including the survivors of trafficking, to policing, raids, immigration detention, and evictions. It fails to address the root causes of labor exploitation in the sex trades, which are poverty, LGBTQ discrimination, and lack of access to affordable housing. I'm sorry. Sometimes I can't help but laugh at how people will give credit or attribute everything to these multiple causes because they're their causes. How the hell does the Nordic model have anything to do with affordable housing? I, I'm, I'm just stunned. I didn't know that there was a, a process by which um, sex workers, as they like to be called, or prostitutes, as I prefer to call them, um, 
are discriminated against in housing. Now, can't run a commercial enterprise in your residence. That's true. But I don't think that's what they're referring to. <laughs> the Nordic model perpetuates a... This is the uh, the opposition. Uh, it's actually a the... Jessica Raven, who is the executive director at the Audrey Lord Project and member of Decrim NY's steering committee. The Nordic model, she says, perpetuates a false savior mentality that makes us feel good while actually failing to address why trafficking is happening and pre- preventing it before it happens. They will not be satisfied, and this is the truth until there is a complete decriminalization of prostitution. In an interview with The Root, Ms. Harris said, we can't criminalize consensual behavior as long as no one is being harmed. She also talked about how she pushed the district attorney in San Francisco in 2004 to stop arresting prostitutes and criminalizing women and to instead go after the johns and pimps making money off the industry. Claudia Gentil, a former sex worker, said it's not possible to police clients without policing people who trade sex. Just saying. I mean, that's a prostitute who figured that out. Meanwhile, the attorney general, the former attorney general of California, a sitting senator, a potential Democratic nominee for the presidency, doesn't grasp that. That in a consensual sexual exchange for money, both parties are guilty. Both parties are guilty. She can't kind of wrap her mind around that. Somehow, the prostitute should be exonerated, but the person who is uh, approaching the prostitute should not be. You see, as far as I'm concerned, if it's an illegal action, then everybody involved the pimp, the John, the prostitute, the, you know, the CD motel that charges by the hour, they're all responsible for a commission of a crime and they should all be held accountable. Now, people often ask me, Joyce, you have a real strong libertarian streak. You have a real, um, interesting viewpoint about things that, uh, traditionally fall down on the left or on the right. You know, I think that not everything is uh, that clear. And I have over the years developed a very consistent approach to how we should handle uh, what they call sex workers and what I call prostitution. Okay. I think it should remain illegal. And I'll tell you why. Because women who become prostitutes Generally, now there's a lot of exceptions to this rule. I mean, we've all seen the movies about the high price call girl who was a nice housewife by day and at night she was doing this so that she could be, you know, take care of her kids. I mean, we've all seen that. We all watch the movie Pretty Woman. So we all know about all of the various reasons that some women become, uh, you know, call girls or uh, escorts or whatever the term you want to pretend instead of saying prostitute. We've all seen all that stuff. But the bottom line is most of them are in that business because of either a male who has dominated and forced them into it or addiction. 
I'm sorry. But the simple truth is, I go out into the streets to do ministry, and I go out and work with so-called sex workers, um, and by sex workers, I will now include other genres, um, strippers, uh, people who are working in these massage parlors where they'll massage any part of your body that you ask them to uh, for a fee. And I have dealt with a lot of these women over the last uh, 20 years or so here in Broward County. And almost to a person, there is either a, a, a domineering male who forced them into the lifestyle or an addiction. And more often than not, both. You know, um, the addiction is the number one cause in in my experience. And it may be anecdotal, but my goodness, I've been at it for a long time. I've walked into a lot of places where most of you will never go. Um, and 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 my way in no longer works. I used to be able to go into these uh, gentlemen's clubs, as you'd like to refer to them. But I know they're more than that. I used to walk in there and offer to do makeup. And, you know, put on false eyelashes and just help the, the girls to get ready. Um, and then I would basically minister to them until the uh, men who run those uh, places figured out that I was encouraging women to leave um, and stop me from going in. But for a while, it worked for years. Um, I just had to keep changing locations and keep hoping that ownerships would change. But I will tell you that I spoke to a lot of these women and Almost every single one of them could not escape the lifestyle if they did not manage to escape the addiction. And the addictions ranged from uh, an addiction to alcohol, an addiction to heroin, to opioids, addictions to cocaine and methamphetamine, addictions to um, just adrenaline, uh, sex addictions, love addictions, gambling addictions. I mean, you name it, they had them. And those were the primary motivator for them. And I'm never going to be convinced otherwise. I don't think that people wake up one morning, and, for the most part, and I know there's exceptions, but for the most part, they don't wake up one morning and go, gee, I don't want to be a nurse. No, I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be a prostitute. Yes, that's what I want to do. I just don't think it's like, you know, uh, the kind of career choice that anybody makes spontaneously, okay? Um and so the criminalization of the behavior, as long as I feel it's criminal, has to be on both sides. Just has to. And sometimes the only way to get a woman out of that lifestyle is with an incarceration where she can overcome the addiction and maybe meet some people who will help her when she gets out. Welcome back. <laughs> Excuse me. Wow. That's, I, I have, I, this week has been better with my throat other than choking on popcorn occasionally, but I haven't been coughing. I haven't experienced anything in the last couple of days. I don't know. I, I really, it really bothers me when I start to show symptoms at the end of the week so that I spend the weekend under the weather and I'm fine during the week. Uh, anyway, it's, um, it's 
it's an interesting conundrum. I love that word anyway, conundrum. And I've been trying to figure out how I was going to use it this week. And I just found that opportunity. It's an interesting conundrum for me to have to understand that sometimes the subject I most want to speak about is the subject that nobody else is speaking about. And it takes a certain amount of, um, I don't know if it's uh, dis disregard for opinions <laughs> or whether it's actual understanding that you can get the same old stuff almost everywhere. And I don't want that to be what you, what you receive on this radio program. Really, I don't. Uh, if you can just, in the course of a three-hour show, you know, pick up something that you didn't know before or become interested in pursuing more about a story, then I'll, I'll feel like, uh, you know, this was an absolute uh, home run. You know, hit it out of the park. On the other hand, if you walk away thinking like, you know, does, doesn't anybody, you know, have anything else to talk about, then I failed. You know, and so it's hard to avoid the major, major stories completely, but it's virtually impossible um, to ignore them at all. And, and I, I'm, I'm trying my best in the last couple of days to avoid um, this sort of repetition of the same refrain over and over again. Look, the, the, it's easy for me to encapsulate what happened yesterday. It does not take three hours. It certainly doesn't take 24 hours to say that the president tried to negotiate with this ruthless dictator he even, you know, cozied up to him, uh, which must have turned his stomach. But he did it. And in the end, the ruthless dictator behaved like a ruthless dictator and was unwilling to compromise. Doesn't really care about prospering his country. Could care less if his people starve. And that's quite clear. And the president said, well, then go, go screw. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not changing the terms. You're either going to do it the right way or we're not going to get it done. And I'll just go back to my beautiful country with, you know, beautiful things and great food and everybody's working and happy. And you can go back to your starving military who one of these days is going to turn on you and hang you by your gonads. Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional, serve from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information. Who are the real bigots? That's always my question. And you saw a display yesterday. And I do have to give Elijah Cummings a little bit of credit for standing up for Mark Meadows yesterday, who apparently they're good friends. And Mark Meadows, for the very first time, revealed or shared the fact that Mark has uh, the same kind of grandkids that I have, uh, all different colors. And, you know... It was really one of those incredible moments when the um, representative who describes herself as a Palestinian-American, um, I would say 
Uh, she is a, a Palestinian first, an American second, even though she's seated in the Congress at this time. Uh, Rashida Tlaib from the state of Michigan and from a district which is predominantly um, peopled by other Muslim Americans. The insanity of her suggesting that um, Mrs. Patton, who was sitting behind Mike Meadows, or Miss Patton, I don't know if she's married, I think she is, but uh, I don't really know. Um, she's black. She was sitting with Mark Meadows. Uh, Rashida Talib referred to her as a prop during the Michael Cohen hearing and accused um, Mr. Meadows of being a racist. And that's fascinating. You know, the fact that someone would actually use a prop, a black woman in this chamber, in this committee, is alone racist in itself, is what Tlaib said. She later clarified that she was not calling Mr. Meadow racist, but that bringing in Mrs. Patton was a racist act. What the hell does she think the difference is between committing a racist act and being a racist? There is no difference. If I commit a racist act, it's because I'm a racist. Anyway, um, it was fascinating to see Elijah Cummings, um, first and foremost, um, defend Mr. Meadows, Meadows. And of course, Miss Patton has defended herself since, saying she was not there to represent an entire race of people, but to represent one man, the president, who she said has done more for black Americans than past presidents. She also addressed Mrs. Talib's comments in an Instagram post Wednesday evening. She said today a race card was played, but not by Congressman Mark Meadows, but rather by those on the House Oversight Committee who sadly placed more credence on the word of a self-confessed convicted perjurer than that of a highly educated black woman who rose up the ranks of one of the most recognized global real estate companies in the world, spoke before 25 million people at the RNC, and now successfully oversees the largest HUD program office in the country. This is not the resume of a prop, she added. And she's true. But the real racists are the ones who are always pointing their fingers and saying, that's racist, that's racist, that's racist. You gotta, you've got to, um, you gotta start calling these people out. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. First, Mark Meadows defended himself. Second, Elijah Cummings, to his credit, because he even said, this will not be a popular move. It's never popular when I admit that Mark Meadows and I are really good friends. They work together. Um, they have some things that they agree on. Most things they don't. But that is the way Congress is designed. We're supposed to have disagreements, but we're supposed to agree without being disagreeable. What you saw yesterday was just disagreeable to the umph, umph, umph degree, whatever the right term is. Um, and Lynn Patton really caught the short end of that. If you want to know what racism feels like or smells like i gotta tell you this northam family up there in virginia what on earth is going on first you had the governor exposed for some blackface photograph in his 
law school yearbook. Then you had, uh, and prior to that, you had him exposed as a pediatrician who believes it's okay to kill a living baby if the mother wants to, um, which I think is probably not just against the Hippocratic Oath, but probably against the law. But that's, you know, that's just me. Um, but now we have reports. I saw this three days ago. And I refuse to go on the air with it because I thought it has to be from like the Onion or the Sacramento Bee or some some fake uh, parody newspaper because it was just too ridiculous to believe. And then I saw it again yesterday and I thought, wow, that's really getting a lot of legs for a parody. And now today, fourth sources. Four sources confirm that Virginia Democrat Governor Ralph Northam's wife allegedly handed raw cotton to black students during a tour of the governor's mansion just last week and told them to imagine being slaves and being forced to pick the cotton. The allegation came from a Virginia State employee who said that her eighth grade daughter was upset during a tour of the historic governor's residence when First Lady Pam Northam handed raw cotton to her and another African-American child and asked them to imagine being enslaved and having to pick the crop. The governor and Mrs. Northam have asked the residents of the Commonwealth to forgive them for their race, racially insensitive past actions says Leah Dozier-Walker, the Director of Equity and Engagement at Virginia's Education Department, in a letter to lawmakers on Monday. But the actions of Mrs. Northam just last week do not lead me to believe that this governor's office has taken seriously the harm and hurt they have caused African Americans in Virginia or that they are deserving of our forgiveness. The tour took place last Thursday, one week ago, involved a traditional gathering of about a 100 young people who had served as pages during the state Senate session. Northam took groups of pages to an area that served as a kitchen and held up raw cotton in front of over a dozen pages and described the slaves who were forced to pick the cotton. Mrs. Northam then asked these three pages, the only black pages in attendance, if they could imagine what it must have been like to pick cotton all day, Walker said in her letter. I cannot for the life of me understand why the First Lady would single out the African-American pages for this or why she would ask them such an insensitive question. Well, I can't figure that one out either. That's why I thought it had to be a fake news story. I mean, on the heels of everyone calling for her husband's resignation and her basically protecting him from doing the moonwalk at a press conference, she was the one who stopped him from actually doing the Michael Jackson moonwalk. Um, you would think that she would stay away from race, like just completely away from race. And I, for, I'm trying to understand the mindset of someone who would say, hey, maybe a good way for redemption would be for me to express my um, adm admiration for cotton-picking slaves. I, I, I'm really struggling with this one. I, I, I've been in the South now longer than I was in the North, when you come right down to it. So I thought I understood the Southern mindset, but this one... Well, let me just say this. I'm not going to call Governor Northam and First Lady Northam 
racists, but they sure do. Uh, uh, they sure do act like racists. You know, I don't know what's in their heart. I don't know if they are actually harboring ill feelings towards um, blacks. I don't know that for a fact, but they have to be stupider than dirt. You know, just plain crazy. And, by the way, still in office. Okay? So, you know, for the rest of us watching this unfold in Virginia, you have to believe that if the media, in the national media and the local Virginia media, had discovered a Republican governor who had appeared in blackface in in a yearbook, that person would not only not no longer be in office, would have been hounded mercilessly uh, day in and day out. Let's say he escaped for a week, the hounding, and then his wife on a tour hands some raw cotton to a couple of African-American teenagers. They probably would have gotten arrested. If they were Republicans, they definitely would have um, had, uh, I don't know, something burned in their front yard. I, I just, I mean, this is crazy, crazy land. Virginia is absolutely crazy land. But hey, they had Terry McAuliffe as a governor, so we know that it, it is crazy land. Um, so I don't know. And the media just, it's not, they're not interested in the Northam story. They're not interested. I haven't seen anywhere on television this, uh, you know, cotton picking story. Um, it's only appeared on websites. It has now appeared on multiple websites, not all of which are conservative. So it is obviously a true story. The letter from the, um, the woman who heads up one of these equity parity organizations in Virginia tells the whole story that, um, the first lady thought it was a good idea to ask black students on a tour of the governor's mansion if they could identify with black slaves picking cotton. I, I'm just going to leave that right there. I want to be clear, and I don't know whether you missed this. I said that I, I would rather have no hearing than I have a hearing that interfered with Mueller. None, I'd rather not have it. Because I think Mueller is doing very, very important work. But the press, you know, come on guys and ladies, one of the things we gotta get back to, we still have a situation where folks are messing with our elections. And we've done very little about it. I mean, this was an attack on our system of government, our democracy. I mean, this is serious. and so. There's a lot that's going to come out of this. There are things that other committees will learn from this. I just talked to um, uh, Adam Schiff a few minutes ago, just before I came over here, and there are a number of things that he's going to be able to use from our hearing for his hearing. Uh, but we've got about five uh, committees that are looking at different aspects of, uh, of, of the Trump administration. But again, again, and, and, and don't, don't, don't get it twisted. We are doing... I've said it from the very beginning that we're going down two paths in this committee. One, we're going to make sure we address those issues that confront the American people on a day-to-day -day basis, such as the census and such as voting rights and 
prescription drugs and the Affordable Care Act. But on the other hand, we're also going to paint a picture of what is happening to our democracy. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's the committee chair, Elijah Cummings. I mean, he had a couple of moments yesterday where he didn't look like a complete uh, bumbling fool, but they were few and far between. And, and look, as I said before, I gave him credit for defending Mark Meadows, who is not a racist. But everybody, you know, it, the the quickest way to shut people up these days is to say that's racist you're racist that's a racist comment so it's amazing to me how the media will ignore a story about the first lady of virginia giving a black page or three black pages to be exact raw cotton and telling them to imagine being uh, you know a slave picking cotton and then call donald trump a racist or allow a liar like uh, Cohen to sit there and call him a racist. Because they, you know, that's it. They've, they've run out of uh, collusion ammunition. They've run out of, uh, um, they haven't got a real financial case to make, although they're going to lead you to believe they do. I mean, I watched this and there was at some insane point about, uh, you know, when AOC was talking about driving past a golf course every day when she goes from the Bronx to Queens. And I'm still trying to figure out, she works in D.C. When does she drive from the Bronx to Queens? I mean, I'm, I'm confused. Maybe she lands in Queens at LaGuardia and then drives to the Bronx but if that's what she's talking about, she doesn't pass that racetrack, or racetrack, that uh, <laughs> um, um, move ahead to the next subject in the next hour. She doesn't actually pass that golf course. But hey, don't, uh, don't let the facts get in the way of a really good, um, whatever, blemishing of the president's reputation. You can't, you can't make this up. I had people ask me yesterday, off the air, people who I know, if um, if there was actually one of them's in the room with me right now, asking me about whether or not um, Donald Trump was uh, using his position as president of the United States to clear the path for you know the Trump industries, um, you know. Meanwhile, when the Clintons actually did use the State Department for that purpose. Not a word did anybody say. Still don't say anything. You know, plutonium, big deal, you know. It was okay. There were others who approved that. Man, it's just so lopsided. It's just so um, completely one-sided. And that's why people like me keep trying to fight the good fight. You know, I don't pretend that I'm unbiased, but I am definitely biased against the lying that goes on on a daily basis on stations and in newspapers and magazines and websites that call themselves fair. They ain't fair and just admit it and let's have a debate, you know. <laughs>